Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Hello, John. How are you today? Yes, good afternoon, Jim. How are you? I'm wonderful. Very good. So I have a question, maybe a little strange, uh, concerning attic blown-in insulation. We bought a new house uh, built in and uh, finished in May. We moved in towards the end of May. I need to, and I've got, you know, probably 30 inches of blown-in insulation in the, uh, upstairs, in the attic. It's a single story. And I need to get in there and put speakers and stuff in the ceiling in the family room. Is there the process that is used to blow in the insulation? Can that suck it out? <laughs> <laughs> no. But... <laughs> But they do have vacuum trucks that can suck it out, and it, okay. it does it does a very good job of doing it. But I, I, truly, for putting in wires and stuff like that, I wouldn't suck all that insulation out. I've I've tried in the past uh, going up and trying to rake it out of the way, you know, so that I can get at the spaces. But you know, it's like um, four in ceiling speakers that I want to put in, and I've got to run other wires. Um, to the back wall of the room, right? So it's yeah. It, having it clear would certainly be a lot easier. But uh... oh, no, no question, it'd be easier. Uh, but you're gonna have a lot of costs involved to do that. Okay, I can you know just taking it out and then having somebody come back in and uh, reblow you know, it. Blow, yeah, but reblow, blow yeah. more in, right? Yep. Now, okay. I'll, what yeah, you what I'll, you uh, may want to consider, you know, if you're really wanting to just get it up out of your way, um, this is kind of going outside the box, but take up a, a a big sheet of plastic up there. Okay. Rake it up into the plastic. You can tie that up, move it aside out of your way. You know that insulation's not all that heavy for moving around as need be. Sure. Sure. Uh, that way you can work in the environment and just spread it back out when you're done. Okay, yeah, and be sure to use a a, a mask and stuff to uh, keep from inhaling all that stuff. Well, what I would do is I'd have a mask, you know, respirator-type mask on. Okay. I would have one of those Tyvek suits on, and uh, I would have my hands protected with uh, either gloves or some something, you know, to to protect them, my neck, everything. You want to cover yourself up because <laughs> that fiberglass... Uh, yeah. No better way to put it. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I and I that's why I'm kind of waiting until this time of year when it's pretty cold up there, so. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I appreciate the uh the information. Thank you. All righty. Good luck with that and yeah. Merry Christmas, John. Yeah, same to you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, don't don't like I, I I don't like working in the fiberglass. But every once in a while you have to do it and so you just work in it. When we left, I was talking with Lee out in Rosenberg, and we were talking about he's got a, a new home. And, Lee, this is a one-year-old home, you said, correct? Yes, sir. Truthfully, with what you're seeing on that roof as far as the waves, and it sounds like maybe even the plywood is uh, curling up on the corners. Can you see each piece of plywood up there through the shingles? Uh, uh, no, you can't really see it from the outside. Okay. Um, they had a guy, 
he's not a roofer, but he's their, I guess, builder or whatever he is. He said it's in within tolerance. And I'm like, dude, the, the shingles are starting to TP up. Yeah. I got the only roof in the neighborhood with waves in it. And I wanted to pay a home inspector $400 to come over and inspect. And I want to know if he says it's bad or needs to be redone, will that stand up in court if I have to go that way? No. Because he's a home inspector. You need an engineer. Mm. Home inspectors are great, and, and I think you know people need to use them. But, and, and he can give you the answer as far as, hey, is, is this right or wrong or not? But mm -hmm. truly, if you got to walk into a courtroom, you are better off having an engineer on your side because their, their word is more... I'm not going to say it's the gospel, but it's taken a whole lot more seriously than, than just a home inspector is. Uh, yeah, and, and I kind of led into Deaver's engineering spot based on your call. Right, I heard that. Yeah, and truthfully, it doesn't cost that much difference to get the engineer out there than it does to have the home inspector out there. Chimney leaking, water dripping into firebox during rain events. Need help finding a contractor. This is William, and he's in Mesquite. William, uh, call Chimney Kings. They can refer you. They can uh, uh, take a look at it, see what's going on. But more than likely what's causing it is your chimney cap, if you even have one, is leaking at this point. The metal could have rusted out or... Even on the very top, if you've got just a chimney cap over the flue of the chimney itself where the smoke comes out, there's mortar. If it's a brick ch chimney, there'll be mortar on the top. That mortar ages. It starts cracking. Moisture comes down through. But since you've got water dripping into the box itself, it tells me it's probably coming down the flue or down the uh, chimney itself because there is nothing up there to stop the rain from going in. Whether it rusted out or it was never there, that's more than likely the cause. And truthfully, it's a very inexpensive repair, but it's something you want to get done because the water will damage floors and such as well if you don't get it taken care of. All right, when we left, we were talking with Robert up in Brenham. And uh, Robert, are you there still? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, okay. Did you say? I believe you said open open cell up in the attic, right? Clo up in the, under closed the roof. cell. Closed cell. Okay. Yeah, I got you. and and the reason for that, open cell absorbs water like a sponge. Closed cell will I got not. You. And so, okay. if there is ever a roof leak, you don't want mm -hmm. the insulation absorbing a bunch of moisture. Now, for everybody listening, though, I am not saying insulate the entire home and seal it with insulation with a uh, foam insulation mm -hmm. right because you're you're talking about a, a cathedral type ceiling that is mm -hmm. the right choice there but i want a house to be breathable yeah but you already mentioned okay. you've got fiberglass in the walls so that's making it right. nice and breathable right. so you can mm -hmm. definitely use the foam in the in that uh, space with no problem okay and then one other question is it's on pure and beam we haven't done anything so we put the stone skirting around it with lots of vents in it but we're thinking about foam underneath also, and I guess that would be closed cell as well as the top. Oh, absolutely. Underneath the house. I, got a, I was under a house earlier this week. Absolute mm -hmm. worst case of sweating under a house I have ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing foundation repair for 40 years. All they right. had the closed cell foam. Mm -hmm. They had no vents. 
everything was sealed up and mm. it was like a terrarium under there i mean the water literally yeah. the wood was saturated and dripping water so yes mm -hmm. as long as you got plenty of ventilation under there Mm -hmm. A closed cell foam will be just fine. That's all I need, then. I appreciate it. All righty. Take care. Okay. All right, Jim. Bye. Uh, and, and truly, if you have a crawl space home, don't close up vents in the winter months. They still need to breathe. You don't need it sweating underneath there. Let's see. Randy in Channel View. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. All right. How are you doing, Jim? I have a question about the concrete in my the garage floor. Uh, I'm getting this white powder, and I sweep up so much dust when I do sweep the floor. And I'm thinking that they didn't put a sealer on there when they finished the home. They didn't. Okay. They, and, and, and honestly, they never do. Uh, concrete floors, are, they're simply poured, and, and that's that's the end of it. What you're seeing... Is called effervescence, and basically what's happening is moisture comes up through the concrete. There's a chemical reaction of some of the products that are in the concrete, and that that dust kind of just grows up. It looks like cotton candy sticking up out of your concrete, but you just you you hit it with a broom and it just crumbles into into dust. How old a home is this? Oh shoot, maybe four months. Yeah, yeah about yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of times I hear this on older homes. Four months is a, is a fairly new home. On newer homes like yours, uh, even though on older homes we put plastic down as vapor barriers and stuff like that, they're a lot more cautious with the vapor barriers now than they used to be. In other words, making sure that they don't have holes in it and stuff like that to keep the moisture from coming up. Typically, the only way that you're going to be able to address this is, one, to make sure you don't have standing water around the outside of the foundation. And then uh, you can uh, put a dehumidifier in there if you want. And if you can control the humidity in the garage, it'll really minimize the amount of that coming up through the concrete. Okay. Uh, so the... Like I say, a sealer or something wouldn't stop that because I get this white pipe. I mean, I walk in the house; yep. it, it tracks all into it tracks into the house, and so I was trying to stop that. I've, and yeah. I've been reading; I thought maybe a sealer, you know, on top of the concrete would. Not a, a, a sealer typically will not stop it because, again, it's moisture pushing up through the concrete, and it'll blister the um, whatever sealer you try to put on off. Now. There are uh, two types of effervescence uh, protection that I'm, f uh, I'm familiar with. Uh, neither one of them are a guarantee that this won't happen, but Quickcrete makes one, and another company called Deitch Coatings makes one. And you can take a look at those, and basically you would just apply it to the surface. It soaks into the concrete, but it's not going to eliminate it 100%. The other question I have for you on this, are you seeing any of it inside the home? Um, well, no, they put down laminate. Well, we put down laminate flooring, so uh, not 
I'm unable to see up under the carpet. I mean, up under the okay. laminate, whatever. Well, I, I will tell you, I had a call last week where a guy actually had it coming up between his in his grout lines uh, between the tiles. So it it, yep. it can come up inside, but he was keeping his thermostat real high, so it wasn't dehumidifying very well. And and so it it is a moisture issue, moisture getting into the concrete, and that's really nice. And it's moisture from under the concrete typically not from the surface that's the reason i'm i say that the sealer typically doesn't solve the problem completely it'll help minimize it but it won't solve it completely okay okay now i would do one other thing yes notify notify your builder since it's a four-month-old house okay and 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 let them see if they'll put the sealer down for you Okay, then. Okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a Merry Christmas. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. We're going to Sugarland next. Is it Gray? Yes, Gray. That's a new name for me. Oh, you'll run into a lot of them. Let me tell you, I, I was hearing a noise in my attic. And it sounded okay. like some little varmints were up there rooting around. Uh-oh. So I went up in, in the attic, and I followed the noise, and it took me to my water heater. And the water heaters, I have two of them, one on each end of the house, and both of them are going pop, 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 pop. They don't do it all the time, but they do it every day. And someone said, well, drain them because you should drain them. And I didn't know that, so I had them drained, still doing it. Yep. Why is my water heater popping? How old are they? Eight years old. Okay. And it's the popping you're hearing, is it more of a crackling noise or a ticking noise? Uh, maybe a crackling noise, yeah. Okay. And here's why I'm asking that. If it's a crackling noise, it's because the sediment has settled in the bottom, and this is a gas water heater, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, when the burners come on, it's having to heat up all that sediment that's in the bottom before it's heating up the water. And that's the reason they say drain water heaters, but typically once a water heater gets to be about two years old, you've already accumulated enough sediment in the bottom, it no longer drains properly. As far as getting all the sediment out of it. Um, right. It's not a safety issue or anything. It just becomes aggravating to listen to. So it's to. working okay. Yes. What's going to happen, though, over time, as more and more sediment builds up, it's taking space so your water heater becomes less efficient and has mm-hmm. less hot water to go out for you to use. Uh, but we're talking years. On, uh, and a typical water heater, you're going to get something in the neighborhood of 10, 15 plus years out of it. So when it gets to the point where that ticking no- or that uh, popping noise is aggravating you enough, put in a new one and be done. I would recommend since you got two water heaters and they're side by side that way, take a look at a tankless at that point, and you'll you'll eliminate all this issue. Okay. Well, it puts my mind at ease. Thank you very much. You bet. Now, the next thing, I, uh, the reason I was asking, and this is just for your 
benefit and everybody listening that ticking noise you know the reason i was asking if it's a ticking noise or or the 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 crackling noise a ticking noise is where the pipes as you run water through them you know they change size when you go from cold to hot and it, you'll hear it rubbing on the wood and it'll it'll go as it expands and or changes sizes and it slides on the wood a little bit again nothing to worry about it's just one of those things that can be somewhat aggravating over time. Yeah, it was really, it was dead at the bottom of the water here. So I think yep. it was the sediment. Yeah. It, it, it's it's the sediment, sediment, yeah, sediment yeah. rather, yes. Thank you so All much. Right. I really appreciate it. You bet. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ah, yes. And, 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 and yes, they make water heaters that are supposed to be self-cleaning. It still needs to be flushed if you want to do that. Um Truthfully, I have never, ever bothered doing it with my own water heaters. Uh, when they get to be, you know, 10, 15 plus years old, I replace them. Uh, it doesn't add that much life to the water heaters to constantly drain them that way. In fact, in some cases, the fitting at the bottom where you drain them from, it starts leaking there. So really, have you saved yourself anything? Not really. Just a, a quick side note, because it is Christmas time, people are putting up lots of lights and things like that, and LED is the way to go with lights. I mean, you got to look the what you're buying, and, and I say that because I went and picked up some more lights this week, and there was one package of lights, and everything I was looking at was LED, but there was one set of lights that would only allow me to hook four strings together. And most of the time, you can hook like 15 to 20 when you're dealing with LEDs. But because the way these lights operated, it was limited to four. So you want to be careful what you're buying. Still make sure you check that you can hook as much together as you want. Because it sure is nice when you can hook 15 or 20 strings of lights together without having to uh, tie into a different breaker. Do you have any tips on the mini splits? What to look for and what brands are good? Thanks, Karen. Well, Karen, there are many different brands out there of the mini splits. And to be honest with you, you're going to want to stick with the name brands. Stick with your uh, you know, carriers, American Standards, things like that, that, that are the name brands because those, those are the ones that you can get serviced easier and typical parts that last longer. Now, the mini splits, I love them. I have it in my house. I have a regular duct-type air conditioning system, and I have a mini split. And for those who aren't familiar with what a mini split is, it is a ductless-type air conditioning system. Each room has its own what they call a head, and that can either be mounted on the wall, or they have units that can be mounted in the ceiling. And... All that gets run to the unit is copper tubing. No ducts at all. That's the reason it's a, either a ductless or mini split, whichever way you want to call it. Uh, the nice thing is, by doing that, each room has its own thermostat. And so you can control the temperature in each room the way you want it. Great systems. It, it, they're very, very energy efficient as well where a normal duct type air conditioning system you can get energy efficiency ratings you know like 
Well, right now, the minimum you can get is a 14 sear. 16, 18, 20, 21 sear is available. You spend a lot of money for it. The ductless or mini split systems, uh, you're looking at like a 30, 36 sear. Because of the way the system operates, there's no line loss because there is no ducts. There is uh, typically a variable speed fan. So the system, once it's on, typically stays on blowing a little bit all the time. Now, some of the older systems didn't do that. And you can even, uh, on the new systems, uh, less expensive ones that don't do it that way, that are just single speed. But in general, extremely high efficiency units and you're going to see people moving more and more towards these mini splits simply because energy codes are changing and these things are going to meet the new energy codes so uh, i hope that helps you out uh they do cost a little bit more up front to purchase the equipment however in the long run because they are so much more energy efficient and i shouldn't even say in the long run in the short run they're going to they're going to save you more on your energy bills to offset that additional cost. And in maintenance, you're not having to deal with ducks and stuff down the road. So now there are some things you do need to watch out for, though, because it is copper tubes running through. You want to make sure that they insulate those properly because they can sweat and leave moisture stains and things like that if not properly insulated. That's the reason it's important that you have an installer who knows what they're doing when they put these systems in. Very critical. Well, and really any, any air conditioning system, that is critical. And, and I get a lot of questions of, as far as storing stuff in, in attics. Be too hot for it up there. Well, it, it all depends on what you're putting up in the attic. I mean, I definitely would tell you don't be putting records up in the attic. It's going to warp them. It's too hot for stuff like that. Uh, and that doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of ventilation you put up there. It's too hot to keep those kind of items up there. The other thing I would tell you is I would avoid putting things up there that could tend to rust over time. And uh, not that you know, you know we ventilate our attics in order to control humidity levels and heat, but the humidity levels are going to be higher in an attic than it is in the living space of your home. And a lot of times we keep our, and I'll use your garage as an example, because a lot of times we keep our tools and stuff in the garage, and you can tend to get surface rust on them. If you're getting the rust in the garage, you're definitely going to get it up in the attic as well. So that's about the, the only restrictions I would have. Anything that's not going to be heat tolerant and anything that, you know, you, you don't want to have surface rust on it. Avoid putting it up in the attic. If you're going to be putting heavy items in an attic, you want to try to put it over walls so that you're not sagging the ceiling joists. You know, the ceiling joists are not designed to have tons of weight on top of them. They were actually put up there designed for the sheetrock that's hanging on them, insulation, and maybe some other load, but you don't want to be storing a library up in the in the attic on top of those ceiling joists. It will cause you problems down the road. And the, and what happens is those ceiling joists will start to sag, and you won't even see it. 
it, it happens so slow. It goes over time, and one day you're going to walk in, you're going to notice that that looks like it's got a bow in it. And sure enough, that's what it is. The ceiling has sagged down, and, you know, the the, the peeling up sister new boards on next to the existing uh, ceiling joists in order to hold them up into place and it get, becomes very expensive so uh, be cautious about the weight that you put in your attics what's the best way to insulate under a mobile home it was fine until the last freeze of 16 degrees and all the pipes burst would like to prevent that again thanks Linda Linda that's a uh, that's pretty tough. I mean, 16 degrees, yes, that's cold. And if it stays at those temperatures for any type length of time, you're going to have a problem with pipes that are exposed. Now, under mobile homes, typically the way they're insulated is they put fiberglass insulation, and then there's a plastic shield under the insulation to hold it tight up into place and to help keep critters from getting in there. And what I'm thinking happened is, your plastic shield is gone. Animals got underneath there, pulled down the insulation, which left your pipes vulnerable. So to fix it, you need to remove any of the old insulation that's kind of all messed up, put in new insulation, and then put another plastic barrier under it. Now, I want to be real clear on this. This is not what I recommend for crawl space homes. This I'm talking about the way mobile homes are put together right now. And so if if you have a crawl space home, you would have different instructions on how to do that. Uh, on a crawl space home, I would use a spray foam insulation, closed cell spray foam. And you got to make sure then that you have plenty of ventilation under that home. And when I say plenty, uh, you need for every 150 square foot of crawl space under there, you need one cubic foot of ventilation, one square foot rather, of ventilation. If you go with less, you're going to have a moisture buildup under the home. That moisture buildup can become a huge issue. It literally can start dripping off the wood and start causing wood rot and stuff. Then the reason that happens is once you spray that that foam underneath there and seal it all up your air conditioning system is no longer drawing through that floor to take on any of the moisture that's underneath there it it has to have good ventilation at that point paula welcome to texas home improvement how can i help you today i need a fence but i've lost track of my markings by the surveyor is there a way to have someone come out and just mark for the fence instead of the full-fledged seven or eight hundred dollar survey uh, surveyor's fee for marking the whole plot. There is, but there's a way you can do it yourself. Even uh, on the corners of the property is a steel stake, and you can actually take a metal detector, since you know pretty close to where it's at. Use that metal detector to find where that stake is. You can dig it up and. That shows you your property lines. Wow. Okay. 
So if I am not going to go through the process of getting that metal detector and I do prefer to get a service out, um, do you suggest someone and how much should it cost approximately? Uh, I don't really any surveyor can come out and locate it and mm -hmm. you're not needing a full-blown survey. You just tell them I need the corner stakes marked. Uh, it, I, it's called a corner stake mark? Yes, ma'am. You just need to get the corner stakes marked. Okay. And, yeah, and uh, as far as cost, it really varies according to where the home is. You're, you're talking a city lot, right? Not not acreage. Yeah, just a city lot, right, and yeah. on Main Street. You you're you're probably going to be looking at something in the two hundred dollar range. You said two. Yes, ma'am. Okay, that sounds reasonable. And you don't have yeah. any one that you can recommend by name. I, I don't, not off the top of my head. Okay, but any surveyor you say should be able to do the corner stake mark. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'll try that. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And you know what? You, If you're getting ready to do a fence, you want to get that taken care of. Because if you're off, your neighbor can come to you and say, move it. And if you know, you think, oh, well, I've got a good relationship with my neighbor. They're not going to do that. They maybe won't. But next summer when they got to move because they got a job transfer and the new people come in and say, wait a minute, your your fence is six inches on my side. Move it. You don't have that same relationship. So it is critical. And besides that, it's code when you're doing a fence that you've got to, you know, put it, find where the property lines are and and make sure that you're in the right spot. But it is very common for them to be off. Now, most of the time, no, nobody makes you move it, but why take the chance? You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.